Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. This morning, we are in our second part of a series that's aimed at investing in family relationships. Last Sunday, we spent a few minutes talking about how the grace of God applied to parenting can really make things better. If we will respond to our kids in the ways that God, is responds, that God responds to us, it will really make things better. God has shown us undeserved kindness. God has looked upon us with compassion. And if we'll apply those things into our parenting relationships, it will make things better. Today is the second part of this series, and we'll be jumping back into some other things next Sunday. But uh, today we're finishing up this idea by applying the same idea, the grace of God working in your marriage can really make things better. And so if you're married here this morning, we want to tell you we as a church love you and care about you, that God cares about your marriage, that God is for you and with you in your marriage. And these teachings today is not simply for a marriage that's in crisis or on the rocks. It's for all the marriages in the room. It's for all the marriages that may be sort of good, bad, or ugly, wherever the marriage is for you right now. And if it's a, a moment of crisis or struggle, better is really good. Amen? And if it's something that's just rolling along really, really good, better moves your good marriage toward a great marriage. So we want to lean in today and look closely at the grace of God and see how we can apply that in the way we relate to and respond to to the spouse that God has brought into our lives. Now, before we dive in, let me speak this um, to those in the room who are not married and want to be married. Um, Keep praying, keep asking. I would imagine that waiting for the right person in the right timing of God is is a very uh, hard experience some days. But God will be faithful to you. And if he's put that longing in your heart to have someone, God will provide that someone for you. I cannot tell you when and no one else can tell you when. But trust him. Don't settle and wait. Find a person who loves Jesus more than they love you. Wait on God, and if he's put that longing in your heart to be married, he will provide someone for you in his timing. So trust him. And I would say to some of those in the room who may be on the the younger uh, end of the spectrum uh, in terms of age, listen, don't bail on the concept of marriage. Marriage is worth it. Marriage is important. Marriage matters. Marriage is, is something that was designed by God with purposes that fit into our creation. When God made the man, he looked at the man and he said, it is not good for this person to be alone. And so God created a woman and put those two together in something we now call marriage. And inside of this idea of marriage is this unselfish love, which is a reflection of God. And inside of marriage is a lasting commitment, an enduring commitment, which is a reflection of God. 
So if you're on the younger side of things and you're looking at marriage and going, man, that just looks like work, or I just want to avoid all that. I just don't really think marriage is a big deal. I don't think I need marriage. I would challenge you to think differently about that and see marriage as connected with the purpose of the very creation of people, that marriage matters. Don't bail on it. If your mom and dad had a rough marriage, you are not at all destined to repeat it. Let me say that again. If your mom and dad had a rough marriage, it does not mean that you're going to have a rough marriage. Trust the Lord. Seek the Lord. Follow the Lord. But don't walk away from this idea of being partnered with somebody for a lifetime of unselfish love and lasting commitment. It is part of God's good for you. So marriage is a good thing. Grace makes things better. Marriage today is our focus. Let me remind you what we talked about last Sunday um, in marriage, uh, about the grace of God, that, that it's kind of two ideas, that it's an attitude and it's a choice. Grace is an attitude as in a way of looking at people. It's seeing someone in a situation. It's seeing someone um, put forth a behavior or, or take, seeing someone else doing something and looking upon them with compassion. Having grace for someone is to, to look upon them in their condition, in their situation, in the behavior, and to have compassion upon them. And it makes us think about God's attitude toward us. God's attitude of undeserved kindness. Have you thought about this? That God showed us kindness by sending his son Jesus when we actually never deserved it. What we deserved was punishment and condemnation and judgment. But God looked upon us and our behavior. God looked upon us and our rebellion. God looked upon us and how we were choosing to live. And God said, I will not give you what you deserve. I will show you grace. And he looked upon us with compassion and kindness. That's a way of looking at people Part of what I want to do this morning is invite the Holy Spirit to stir in our hearts, those of us who are married, that we would begin to look at our spouse differently. Just that little step of looking at them differently, that we would have an attitude of grace toward them. That we might lay down some of our annoyance, lay down some of our frustration, lay down some of our bitterness, and pick up compassion toward our spouse that one of the first ways we will reflect God in our marriage is by looking at our spouse and not giving them what they deserve, but showing them kindness and patience and compassion. And in so doing, we will be like God in the way we treat our spouse. The second part of this is that grace isn't just an attitude, but it's also a choice to help those who are weak, to help those who are uninformed or ignorant, to help those who are helpless, those who are struggling, those who are in a rough season, those who are, are really, 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 really working against a whole lot of other things uh, that are coming against them and, and looking at them and saying, I'm going to step into their struggle and I'm going to help them. For some of you in the room, God is moving your heart even right this moment to see your spouse with compassion and to see their struggles and to move toward them to help in their struggle. 
instead of being over on the other side of the room and saying, get your junk together. But grace says, I'm going to move toward you and help. Grace says, I'm going to step toward you and be there in your need. This reminds us of how God has worked toward us. It's such the center part of the gospel, such a central part of who we are as God's people. God chose to do something so our lives could be changed. And aren't you grateful? God gave his son Jesus as an act of grace so that our lives could be better. Our lives could be different. Remember clearly what the cross is all about. The cross is God's judgment for sin and the payment didn't come upon us, it came upon Jesus. And Jesus died and rose again three days later and God has given us this invitation that if we will believe in Jesus as his son, if we will believe that what Jesus did on the cross accomplished paying for sin in full, if we will believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and follow him as our Lord and leader, if we'll become a disciple of Jesus, then we can be forgiven of all of our sins. We can be made new on the inside. We can be part of the family of God. We can have the promise of heaven and eternal life, and we can be set free from the grip of sin over us. All of that amazing grace coming our way is God's action for us. We were helpless. We could not shake sin off of our lives. We could not get our way into heaven. We could not be made new on the inside. We needed action, and he acted. And for some of you in the room, applying grace into your marriage is action. It may be getting a little help from a counselor. It'd be a beautiful idea. It may be sitting down to read a book together or have more intentional date nights and conversations over the table and putting your phones down. It may look like various things in your marriage, but action is needed as you move toward your spouse. So grace is an attitude, it's a way of looking. Grace is an action. God has shown us both. So let's look at some scripture and see the grace of God at work and how we might lay this over our marriages. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, it'll come up on the screen. And while you're looking or um, opening up your phone or your book, I want to remind you, if you don't own a copy of the scriptures that's easy to read, if you don't own a Bible for yourself, we would love to give you one. We keep extras on hand that are out in the lobby. If you'll go to the starting point center and after the gathering and say, hey, can I have one of those Bibles? They'll hook you up. It'll be yours to keep. We'd love to bless you. Anybody who wants a Bible, needs a Bible, we want to make sure they can get a Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing this letter to this church and he goes down, and in verse 22, he's starting to sum up some of the change that's happened in people's lives and how that change should impact their behavior. So if you're a believer in Jesus, your life has been changed by Jesus, and that should impact how you do marriage. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, meaning before Jesus, to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its evil, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds 
and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Time out. As you are in Christ now and new, you have been called and told to take some action here, to put off the old self. One of the big things of the old self is this S word, selfishness. At the root of a lot of struggles in the marriage world is selfishness, and that belongs to the old self, amen? So we are to take action. This is work. This is effort. Those of you who are new into marriage, listen, marriage is work, and if you've been married at least two days, you know it's work. You already know it's work. It's going to take effort for you to work on your own life, even more than you Want to be tempted to work on your spouse's life? That's a bad recipe. You work on you. And you're going to have to, for the rest of your days, go through this biblical exercise of putting off and putting on. So I bet you're, I bet you're right with me this morning on this. What's the opposite, opposite of selfishness? unselfishness. Okay, that was, that was, a, that was a gimme, okay? Uh, that, that one was pretty easy. So we're putting off things like selfishness and all kinds of other things, but I want to bring that one up because it's at the root of a lot of struggle in marriage. We're going to put that off. I'm going to work to do that. I'm going to look for any trace of it in my behavior toward my spouse, and I'm going to put it off, and I'm going to put on the new self, things like unselfishness. Old self has an expectation to be served. The new self has an expectation to serve. So this life change that we're going through is a supernatural change and your eternity is changed and the Holy Spirit of God is in you and God has given you some assignments, some work to do as you're becoming more and, like, more and more like Jesus in the process of sanctification. There's some putting off and some putting on. Let's keep reading. Put on the new self, verse 24, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now let's apply that to the marriage. The spouse you're married to is also your neighbor, your very close, close, close neighbor. Speak truthfully. Be honest about what is bothering you. Be honest about your needs. Be honest about your expectations. Be honest about some places where there's some discontent. Be honest and speak truthfully. Verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Lay that over the grid of marriage. It does not teach that anger is a sin. It teaches that there is a way to be angry without sin. There are things that lead us and move us to an appropriate kind of anger. But in that anger, we do not sin. The grace of God, the compassion of God, the kindness of God is never an excuse for you to mistreat your spouse. It's never an excuse for you to hurt your spouse. Physically, verbally, emotionally, 
The grace of God doesn't just go, oh, whatever you want to do is fine. Grace covers it. In your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Lay that over the grid of marriage. Don't go to bed with something unresolved that you're stewing on, that you're building in resentment before you turn out the last light. Clear it out as best you can. Next little piece. And do not give the devil a foothold. The idea of a foothold is a place where a a warrior can stand and have good footing and they're not easily knocked down. They're established. And so a warrior with good foothold has, has got their feet planted. It's not in a slippery place and their knees are bent and their body is positioned in such a way that if somebody comes at them, they're gonna be able to resist them and not be pushed over. Think of a football lineman. Not giving the devil a foothold is allowing him to set up in your marriage. And one of the ways you give him footholds is by not talking about the things that need to be talked about in your marriage. One of the ways you give him a foothold is by letting the sun go down on your anger. And some of you have talked more to your friends about your spouse than you've talked to your spouse, and that is giving the devil a foothold. Some of you have talked more to your parent about your spouse than you've talked to your spouse, and you need to make an adjustment there because you're giving the devil a foothold to drive a wedge. And he's not just kind of casually visiting in your marriage. He has got his feet set and he is postured and he is braced because you're letting him stay there and it's harder and harder to get him out of it. We could spend a whole morning talking about things that give the devil a foothold in your marriage. Not being honest, not being intentional, pornography, all kinds of things will invite division and create a status quo of we don't actually say what's wrong, we just say the F word, everything is fine when it's not fine. And sometimes through the screens you're looking at, you're inviting some dark things into your life through your phone or tablet or computer or your TV and now they have a foothold and it's changed the way you look at your spouse, it's changed your expectations for what physical intimacy intimacy should be in your marriage. It has come in and it's got a foothold. This all comes under the category in your life, in your relationships. Don't give the enemy a foothold, but in your marriage, it is more work. There's the work of putting off and putting on, and there's the work of sealing up every entrance where the enemy wants to creep into your marriage. Do not give the devil a foothold because when he's established, it's hard to get him out. 
Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. In the first century, there, were, uh, there was a lot of poverty, as there is here in this century that, that we're in right now. But one of the things that was happening in the life of the early church is some people were not pulling their weight. They were letting other people you know, bust themselves all week long and work and work and work and work and work and to help be able to provide food for the people as they would come together. And, and those people uh, were, were taking care of everybody else. There were some who weren't working. There were some who weren't contributing. There were some who weren't giving. There were some who were just sort of riding along and consuming in the work of others. And this what the Bible calls, and you can see this here in a couple of the places, is, is actually equated to stealing. Don't let others work and you not work. Don't let others give and you not give. Don't let others bring and you not bring. So let's lay that over the grid of marriage. Work on your marriage. And don't just depend on your spouse to be the one to work on your marriage. Everybody needs to be invested in working on it. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benefit those who listen. This idea here is, is that you and I would be careful with our tongue. Some of us in the room are, are really gifted verbally and we hear quick thinkers and we actually know how to go for that kill shot. We know how to perfectly put the knife in with the word. We're, we're to be really appropriate. If you think about this and laying over the grid of marriage, be careful what you say and how you say it and when you say it. The little dig, the little comparison, a little reference. Notice what Paul says here. He says, therefore, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to what? What does it say? Their needs. According to their needs. More work. I'm going to study my spouse. I'm going to evaluate the moment. I'm going to try to read the situation. I'm going to try to, to understand what's happening in the conversation right then. And then I'm going to respond with words that seem the best possible words for their needs in this moment. That's the grace of God at work with our tongue. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is in your life on a mission to glorify Jesus in this world and to grow his people into fully formed disciples. The mission of the Holy Spirit, our helper, our power, our one who gifts us, our one who's building the church, but God also cares about your marriage and the Holy Spirit is in you right now on a mission in your marriage. The Holy Spirit is wanting to sanctify you and to sanctify your spouse and to grow you up and to point each other to Jesus and to make you more like him throughout the years of your relationship. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not miss the opportunities that he is leading you into. Do not resist the spiritual moments in your marriage as they come. 
Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, and every form of malice. Malice is a willful act of hateful revenge. Malice is a willful act of hateful revenge. I'm going to show them. Malice is when you're rooting for their suffering. Lay that over the grid of marriage. Get rid of that. Because you're not that old person anymore. That eye for an eye person anymore. You're not the payback person anymore. You're a child of God now. A recipient of grace. And one who gives grace. So if there's any thought in view of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to get them. I'm going to show them. Willfully acting in hateful vengeance or payback. That needs to go. It's more the work. It has to be done in marriage. A couple more verses. Really just one. Verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. This is that attitude of grace. Look upon each other with a tenderness, not a bitterness. Look upon each other with kindness. Have an attitude of kindness and compassion. Forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. In your relationship with God, in Christ, God forgave us when we did not deserve it. God has forgiven us even though we continue to choose paths that are away from him. Even though we continue to sin, God continues to pour out mercy and kindness and grace for us. And that's amazing and we're all so, so thankful for that. In your marriage, as you do in all of your relationships in the body of Christ, in your marriage... Let compassion be what shines. Let kindness be what shines. And think about it. God has treated me this way, so I want to respond to my spouse in undeserved kindness. Because grace makes things better. This kindness, this compassion of God, this attitude and choice turns out as some expressions in marriage. I want to give you three today as we kind of finish our ideas on, on family relationships. I'm going to give you three, and goodness, we could spend days, weeks. There are books, there are conferences, there's all kinds of stuff out there on marriage. But I just want to give you three that have come to my heart um, this week for you and some ways that grace expresses itself. So let's, let's go into these together. The first one is that grace pursues. Grace pursues. Grace doesn't stand off in the corner and wait for the other person to make the first move. Grace pursues. Grace doesn't hold back. So married people, do not withhold your attention do not withhold your affection from your spouse because you're waiting for them to make the first move. Show them undeserved kindness. 
Don't pout. Don't give a cold shoulder. Don't be passive aggressive. But pursue them. Well, what if they're not pursuing me? Marriage in Christ is not about keeping score. Marriage in Christ is about loving and serving. And in the ways that God has treated us, I want to so treat my spouse. Grace pursues. When you pursue your spouse, it actually fills up their sense of value and worth. We talked about this last Sunday uh, about children, that the voices that the enemy brings to them, whispering in their ear all the time is, you're not enough, you don't measure up, you don't look good enough, you're not as great as other people uh, when you compare yourself to them, you need to do more, you're not doing enough. And the peer group, says, compare, compare, compare to see if you have any value. That's what's going on in the mind of our kids all the time. And in the mind and hearts of our spouses, similar things are going on. The enemy is whispering. They don't really love you. They just feel obligated because you put a ring on. They really have grown to dislike you or they don't want to be with you. They're so disappointed in you. They're disgusted by you. They no longer care for you. They don't want to be with you. They're just saying these things. The enemy brings these thoughts of of some lesser worth to your spouse. The enemy whispers, they really want you to be like the husband of the friend the friends you have, or they really want you to be like the wife of the friends you have, or they want you to be more like this person or that person. They want you to be like And the peer group, my goodness, Instagram paints these pictures of perfect families and perfect marriages, and these people with beautifully posed pictures of their, their great family, you know, marriage moment, and you're just kind of thinking, man, I am, I, I am just terrible. I'm not doing great. Those are the voices So when you pursue, that's actually a moment of tenderness. I'm, I'm thinking about my spouse, and I'm thinking, I, I don't want her to have just one moment where she doubts my attention and my affection. I don't want to have her to have one single moment where she thinks that I am anything less than madly in love with her. I don't want to have her a moment where the whispers are louder than my actions of grace. I want to keep pursuing say, I care about you, I love you, I enjoy you, I'm attracted to you. Pursue your spouse and fill in the gaps in their heart and in their mind where they begin to think less of themselves than in what is true. It's one of the ways that God has blessed them by putting you in their life. You are the voice of truth when they begin to doubt themselves. Pursue your spouse. Be creative. Find ways to communicate their value and worth to you. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be Instagram worthy. Pursue your spouse. Grace pursues. My goodness, when we were helpless and hopeless and so stubborn, and so wicked, and so in love with dirty, dead things. God pursued us. 
life, we'll respond to our spouse in the way that God has responded to us. It'll absolutely make your marriage better. Communicate that you still choose your spouse, not just accept your spouse. There's something really powerful in those words. Communicate that you still choose them, not that you've simply grown to terms that you're stuck with them. Pursue your spouse. Number two, grace chooses to humbly resolve conflict. Grace chooses to humbly resolve conflict. The idea here is that grace is more interested in repairing than winning. That's grace. Grace says, there's something between us, there's something you're upset about or I'm upset about, let's resolve this. And, and resolving this is way more important than one of us hearing that the other one was right and the other one was wrong. You get the scorekeeping out and show grace, undeserved kindness an attitude of looking at them, and then a choice to let it go. What's more important is that you are united, not that your spouse comes around to seeing it exactly as you see it. Grace chooses to humbly resolve the conflict. I think about God and how he has acted toward us. The cross is this beautiful expression of, of atonement where God substituted the worthy life of Jesus as a sacrifice, our lamb, to pay for the guilt of our sins. The cross is a beautiful statement of compassion and grace toward us, but the cross is also a victory. It's also a winning moment. Death and hell and sin are forever defeated because of the cross of Christ. This cross is a choice of God to not unleash all that we deserved, but to make a way of peace through sacrifice. So lay that over your marriage and make a way of peace through sacrificing your pride and your need to be right. God so loved you that he did not give you what you deserved, but he chose to show you undeserved kindness and grace is humble and resolves. And I will tell you, if you're in a marriage situation right now where there's a little conflict, there's some head bonding, and it may be a small thing or it may be a massive thing, do not forget the words from the book of James. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the what? To the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you're looking for grace to come and resolve and dilute and defuse and repair and restore and refresh, 
humility is the way you start. For some of you, that looks like laying down your need to win. For others of you, humility looks like, okay, I will go and talk to a counselor. I'm willing to say I don't have this all figured out. I can't solve this all on my own. I'm willing to go and talk to someone. Sometimes humility is laying down the pride of what the counselor would think or what other people would think and saying resolving is more important than anything else. So I'm going to lay down my pride. As a church, we want to invest in your family and your relationships. And so we as a church have subscribed to Right Now Media. And we've talked to you guys about this. And there's a, just a little screenshot of just a, a couple of the samples that are out there right now. It doesn't cost you anything. The church is blessing you with this. There's, um, there are about two dozen series, video series, well done, teaching, encouragement, helps on marriage. Right now on Right Now Media, right now, there's just four of the sample of about 20 different ones that are out there. Really good stuff. And then last Sunday, we talked about parenting. There's about 20 or so on parenting that would be helpful to you. Humble yourself and sit down and watch something and listen to something and learn from somebody else and let God do some work in your family. We've given you these resources, and if you're not already hooked into this with us, you can see this next slide is the QR code. All you have to do right now, just right where you're sitting, right, just right now, if you're not linked in, just open your camera. And if you'll just point it at the screen, it'll open up right there. Do you want to open right now, media? It's, that's it. Just zoom in on it, and it should trigger your browser. And if you don't get it, we'll try to send a link to it this week. But lots and lots of resources that are well done and encouraging and helpful uh, along the way. So grace pursues, grace chooses to humbly resolve conflict. And number three, this is the last one, grace allows your spouse to be a work in progress. Grace allows your spouse to be a work in progress. They are imperfect. I'm sure that's not news to you. They are imperfect. And they will have years of strength, and they will have some years of struggle. That's just true. And we need to give our spouse space to have transitions and changes and adjustments. Maybe just when you're newly married, they're just coming out of college, and they're learning to adult. Maybe when they're older in your marriage, the children have left the home, and it's an empty nest, and you're adjusting and changing to those new roles and new titles and new rhythms and routines. Grace gives your spouse space and permission to be a work in progress, and they're going to have some great years and some years where they struggle. I, I, I spent a long time in collegiate ministry working with college students and did a lot of weddings, a lot of weddings over almost 17 years, and would talk to these young couples, and you would look at some of them, and you're like, yeah, you're in love, yeah, God's bringing this together, but dude, some of you got some growing up to do. Some of you are going to hit adulthood like a brick wall, because you've been getting an allowance for mom and dad every month, you've been, you know, you've never paid your own cell phone bill, those are not cheap. 
you're going to find out this thing called insurance. You're going to come up against all this stuff like nobody mows the yard for you. You're going to have to do that. And when something breaks at your house, you're going to have to just take care of it. And you don't just get to do everything the way you want to do it in your home. You're marrying another human. And you need to now, (laughs) as Christ, care about their needs and put their interests above your own. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. And you can look at them like, yeah, you're going to get it. It's going to come at you like a, like a train that's going to run over you. Some of you are going to marry someone, and they are way, way into video games. You're going to marry someone, and they're way, way, way into shopping. They're way, way, way into face group, Facebook and sharing everything. Or they're way into fill-in-the-blank. And they haven't gotten the memo yet that it's grown-up time. You're going to have to be patient with them. You're going to have to be patient with them as they grow into this marriage and they're realizing that they're going to have to separate in their relationship from their parents. You're married to me now. You still have a relationship with the parents, but it's not an all-of-us thing. It's a me-and-you thing. And some of you have been married for a while and you're still struggling with that appropriate separation from the birth families. You're going to have to be patient with them and show them undeserved kindness in your own parenting years. And then if the Lord blesses you with the opportunity to spend decades together as you encounter health struggles later, career changes, all these changing seasons All these changing priorities, all these changing tensions and stress points and struggles, give your spouse a break because they're doing the best they can. But things have changed. And would you show them some compassion while they try to catch up to being an adult, while they try to catch up to being a grandparent, while they try to catch up to having an empty nest, while they try to catch up to the fact that their health isn't what it used to be while they try to catch up. Show them compassion. Let them be a work in progress. Here's the spiritual dimension to that. As a married person, see yourself as a partner with the Holy Spirit to help this person enjoy Jesus and become more like Jesus. But don't try to become the Holy Spirit in your spouse's life. I'm just going to let that settle for however you need to receive that today. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit for your spouse, but partner with the Holy Spirit to help them enjoy Jesus and to become like Jesus. Pray for your spouse. Pray for their joy in the relationship with you. Pray that what that spouse experiences from you is an attitude of undeserved kindness and daily choices to show compassion and patience and kindness because this is what God has shown us. And if we will respond to our spouses in the ways that God has responded to us, grace will make our marriages Let's pray.
with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're a married person here in the room, would you just pray for your spouse right now? Pray for them. They got some struggles. They're making some adjustments. They're dealing with their own sin battles. Their own doubts. Insecurities. Pray for them. And then would you pray for yourself and ask God to show you any places where there's selfishness in your marriage? Something you need to put off. Would you ask God to reveal where there's some malice, some hateful payback going on? Something you need to put off. Would you ask God to grow you as a married partner so that you become more and more mature and responsible in your home? ask God to make you the kind of spouse that leads the person you're married to to experience assistance and affection and safety and care in your home. Oh Lord, I want to be involved. I want to act to provide my spouse with affection, with help and assistance. I want to help them to feel safe and I want to show them care on my own. Thank you, God, for this thing called marriage and the ways that it points us to you unconditional love and lasting commitment that's just like you so teach us as we do life in relationship our hope is not in us because we're weak our hope is not in us because we are naturally selfish our hope is in you we don't have the power but you do so we call on you now to help us make our marriages great. In Jesus' name, amen. 